We hold these truths to be self-evident. For enemies dare to strike us, they and all who have aided them will face fearful consequences. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The eyes of the world are upon you. You will bring about the destruction of the German war machine. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome over here to Speak the Truth. How are you guys doing? This is the first ever sponsored podcast we've ever had. Yes, Masterworks, thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast. I did not think we were ever going to get one, mainly due to the fact that just because what we talk about on here is a little bit controversial at times. A lot of you guys don't realize this, but every single one of these videos that I post on this channel when it has to do with this podcast, I have to actually get it manually reviewed to even have it be able to, to post onto this channel. So I've actually... Thought about starting a separate one, which is why you guys have seen me actually change my name back to Lunkers TV. And there's a lot of stuff actually going on within the outdoor side of YouTube. So I've been talking with Flair and Sequin and Lojo and a, and a few other gentlemen. And there's some stuff that we might be doing on the side. I don't I really know yet. So hopefully over the next week or so, we'll be able to tell you guys about that. But yes, I don't know how much longer I'll be able to keep these these podcasts on this YouTube channel. So I may have to move them over to a separate one, which if you type in my name on YouTube or if you type in speak the truth, you might actually see the channel. It's been created. I haven't really decided exactly where we're going to go with it. So there you go. We're just kind of having to, to literally play with this every single day as, as, as it evolves because it's, it's YouTube and YouTube does YouTube things. But like I said, thank you so much to Masterworks for sponsoring this podcast. So is this the end of uh, the world or end of the United States as we know it as it's, it's coming? I don't, I don't really exactly know. We're going to find out as we kind of go on through today's video. If you guys do not know, the border crisis is still doing border crisis things. Yes. And when I mean border crisis things, I mean thousands of people sitting underneath a bridge with no food or water other than the stuff that we're giving them. And they're trying to come over. They, they keep playing this video of this guy on a horse. I don't know if you guys have seen it, which we're going to, you know, let's go ahead and play it right now. So everybody's listening on Spotify and, and Apple and, and whatnot. You guys are not actually be able to see this, but you're on the YouTube channel. You're, you're seeing what I'm saying. They came out, the White House, is they're saying that they're seeking more information on horrific footage of the Border Patrol agents that are confronting Haitian immigrants. So Jen Psaki came out. She said it was horrific that they were using whips and whatnot. They weren't using whips. It's literally the reins of a horse. I don't know if Jen Psaki's ever sat on a horse or been next to a horse or somebody on a horse. That's not a whip. A whip is, it looks a little different, especially a horse whip. It does not look like that. I mean, they have... They actually have a thing called a cracker. I, I've used a cracker. I don't know if you guys ever heard of these things. A lot of people haven't. But down in Florida, they have these things called crackers. They're called Florida crackers. Not a racial term whatsoever. Literally, it's a term that cowboys use. It's a long whip. Long whip. And you whip this son of a gun and it makes a loud cracking noise. I don't know where we're going with this, but I just wanted to say that. I've used one one time, and I smacked myself dead in the middle of the forehead. I used it when I was in the military. I thought it was really cool. My buddy had one. Didn't pan out too well. Anyway, there you go. Where were we going with that? Horse whips. It is not a horse whip. It is reins. Horse reins. And why wouldn't they use horses? What are you talking about? What, do you think they're going to run around on mopeds down there? We going to get on their little little golf carts? No, they're going to use horses. The terrain's rough in South Texas. I don't know if they she's never clearly been down there, which is kind of funny. You would think that AOC would probably advise her that the border is really rough and, and, and has some steep terrain after her loving the border so much. <clears throat> anyway, she goes on to say that she's seen the footage and she does not know the full full context of the footage that she's looking at. And she can't imagine what context would make that appropriate. Well, I can tell you right now, Mrs. Saki. Yes, Mrs. Saki. It is, is fully within the power of our government to do exactly what they're doing to keep people from coming across the border. All they're doing is using horses, 
right? I mean, that's literally what the context of the video is. Saki also goes on to say that uh, she does not think anyone seeing this footage would think that it's acceptable or appropriate. I think it's appropriate, and I don't think they're actually taking enough. And I don't think they're doing enough on the border to to stop what's going on. I mean, right now, if you guys don't know, Texas is pretty much blocked it completely off themselves. The federal government's just stepped out and be like, you know what, you guys can come through. If you guys have a family, you're good. But the thing is, you know, there's actually a clip. Let's go ahead and play that clip right now of the border agent talking about this. We do not know who are the smugglers or who are the migrants. So it's important that those border patrol agents maintain a level of security for both themselves and for the migrant population as they were tra- trafficking back and forth. But I didn't, I didn't know if you guys knew about this or not. I'm sure a lot of you guys did. And if you're not, there you go. If you're not interested in it, well, we're about to change subjects. But if you guys don't know, there's pregnant women and babies. They've gathered underneath the Del Rio International Bridge, and they're sleeping in the dirt, surrounded by growing piles of garbage, exposed to the elements without much food and water, in hopes of being pr- processed by the overwhelmed U.S. border. So this is CNN talking about this. And that's the way that they kind of set up the set up the way that it's going down there. Well, in fact, they wouldn't have any of this problem. They wouldn't be sleeping in the dirt. They wouldn't be exposing themselves to growing amounts of garbage if they weren't there. I mean, if they weren't there, they wouldn't be sleeping in the dirt. And the garbage that's piling up is literally their garbage. Am I, am I wrong? I mean, it's not my garbage. Not anybody down there in South Texas is garbage. It's literally people from, from a different country that's stacking up trying to get in here. for what. That's their, that's their stuff. So anyway, there you go. Topic number one. Apparently we're beating people with, with whips and chains and what whatnot down on the border, which is false. It's kind of crazy. They can put this. It's kind of, it reminds me of a, a, a YouTube title so much. Every single one of these headlines that come, it's what is actually really happening. Then you have to get three quarters of the way through the video. Like, Oh, that's, that's, that's stupid. That That's not, that's not even it. Okay. So here's, here's another one. We got number two for you guys. This is, this one's ironic at the same time. It's going to make some of you guys laugh. It's, it's kind of a bad situation why they're having to do it, but it's almost like, I told you so. You know what I mean? So if you guys did not know, Chicago has been having a bloodbath of a year when it comes to, to gun, gun, gun violence and gun crimes and stuff like that. And it's not because, you know, they have some of the, the highest uh, or the hardest, excuse me, not the highest, the hardest laws when it comes to getting guns, acquiring guns and legally owning guns. Like they don't want you to have them there, but yet they have some of the, <laughs> the highest murder rates in violence using guns. So it's, I'm not going to say that maybe the people are raised a little differently there. I'm not going to say that could be a case, but it could be a case. Or it could be the fact that it doesn't matter if you try to take away guns from law-abiding citizens, criminals are still going to find them. I don't know. Which is a little bit of common sense there. But it goes on to say, Chicago Mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Monday unveiled her 2022 budget. Okay, so this budget... You know how she was screaming for defunding the police? Well, no, no, no. She's going to add an additional $200 million to the budget because she found out over the last year, well, you know, we kind of need cops. She has increased her budget spending on law enforcement amid surging gun violence not seen in several years. The mayor's $16 billion spending package boosts police spending to $1.9 billion, up from $1.7 in 2021. So there you go. She learned. She needed them. She was right. She got all this money from the federal government because of COVID backing. And she's using a big chunk of it for police officers. That's good. The proposal came after a bloody weekend that saw nine homicides across the city, 56 people shot over the weekend. So if you guys did not know, the true, the true fact is there's actually been more kids shot in Chicago this year than have died of COVID. Yes, that's an awkward long pause. I said this the other day. 
China has experienced a, I said China, I said Chicago. <laughs> oh my God, it's damn near the same place. Chicago has experienced a spike in violent crowds that began last year. As of September 12th, the city had 558 homicides compared to 542 in the same time frame in 2020. That is right, 550 homicides in Chicago as of right now. I mean, we're by the end of the year, they're going to have two a day. I mean, how many of these are going unsolved as well? So let's go ahead and bump up north. There's actually a significant amount of people that listen to this podcast that are from Canada and Australia. So I want to say, I'm going to talk a little bit for you guys. I know, kind of sucks. Apparently a lot came out to vote against this, but uh, you guys are stuck with Justin Trudeau as of right now. So you guys re-elected Justin Trudeau. I personally don't really care as much because I'm not from Canada. So a lot of people actually think that he won because he's he's all into COVID vaccinations and, and getting the country completely locked down. I mean, they've been locked down for a significant amount of time up there. And a lot of people in Canada actually rely on the government for health care and other things like that. So he's going to make it to where you guys have to, if you want to travel by air and by rail, you're going to have to have vaccine and have to show proof of vaccination, which whatever. It's not my country. I don't I don't care. But I'm, there's, there's a reason why I was bringing it up. So he's actually allowed. This is kind of a big deal. I don't know if a lot of people know about this, but you guys know that China has a has a social credit system or a program. Like it's their social credit system. Like you're not allowed to go anywhere in China if your social rating is not high enough. They have like millions of cameras all over the country and it takes photos of your face and it knows exactly where you're at. And it literally grades you. Like there's times where you can't get on a rail or you can't buy airline tickets or you can't go to the store like you're you're forbid from doing a certain thing because maybe you were late on a payment or maybe you said something bad about the the government socially like that's a real thing so if you guys didn't know it's actually made its way into canada i don't know if a lot of people know about this so that's 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 why i was bringing up the the justin trudeau thing because he is actually allowing it to happen and he knows that it's going on within the canadian borders so these social scores are then used to punish or reward, praise the Chinese Communist Party on social media, and you will be given a higher score, potentially leading to a benefit such as priority for school admissions, free gym services, shorter wait times at hospitals, and other benefits. Illegally protest against the CCP, forget, like forgetting to pay your utility bill, or knowingly associate with another individual who has a low score, and you might be restricted in accessing public services, excluding from taking transportations, and or perhaps your children will be denied entry into the best schools. So that's a real thing. That's actually what's going on inside of China. And I had to put bring that one up um, because there's a, a place in actually, it's in Vancouver. It's one of China's favorite restaurants. It's called uh, Hidalgo Hot Pot. Yes, that is right. Hidalgo Hot Pot. They apparently have like thousands of these things. I mean, I've never been to one. That one restaurant that they have within Canada, they have 60 cameras that are installed at it and two cameras at each table that record images of employees and customers and they're sent back to China. The manager of the restaurant, whose name is Ryan Pan, confirmed that the news is true but refused to disclose what the purpose of the videos and he says that they are secret. So they send all this stuff back over to China, people that are within this restaurant that are actually in Canada. So this is kind of crazy if you think about it. They're literally collecting data on every single person that enters this restaurant Gets their face, like these cameras are so good. They take biometrics of your face, your, they scan your eyeballs, like they do everything. They know exactly where you're at at all times. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go search it on YouTube. It's kind of wild. It'll, it'll lead you down a crazy rabbit hole. Crazy. Yeah, Ryan Pan also stated that the cameras were installed to punish staff if they did not adhere to corporate standards and to people track. Pan also stated that the video was sent back to China but declined to say why this was, other than he says the reason was secret. For y'all Canadians sitting up there, you guys have now just uh, kind of put yourself in a little bit of weird, weird mess with the social credit system. But I, I did a little bit of digging on that, oddly enough, and came up with 
There was an article that was posted literally a couple days ago that talks about coming to America, America's own social credit system. And I mean, we kind of see it in the sense of censorship and, and whatnot when it comes to just big social media companies like this one that we're on currently and, and other ones. As of right now, I don't think Spotify really does it. I think they kind of just let you roam free and, and whatnot, which is not a big deal because they allow cursing on that thing, which I've actually toned down the cursing quite a bit, mainly because I know that a lot of people listen to this with their kids in the car. And they don't want to hear me drop a bunch of F-bombs, sometimes when they're needed. I will drop them every once in a while if I get heated, which we know that tends to happen at times. But this goes on to state that new domestic war on terror was kicked off by a riot on January 6th, has prompted several web giants to unveil predecessors to what effectively could become a soft social credit system by the end of this decade. By the end of this decade? So by 2030? I mean, that's, that's quite a long time. Anyway, PayPal has announced a partnership with the left-wing Southern Poverty Law Center to investigate the role of white supremacists and propagators of anti-government rhetoric, subjects labeled that potentially could impact a large number of groups or people that use their service. PayPal has also stated that they collected information that will be shared with other financial firms and politicians. See, this is kind of a big deal. Because if they do that, then they can actually dictate what you can and cannot buy. Facebook is taking similar measures, recently introducing messages that ask users to snitch on their potentially extremist friends, which considering the platform bias seems mainly to target political right. Okay, that's not super shocking that I was discussing. The big tech giants, as we do all know, the censorship deal is actually a real thing. And you're seeing it right now within the fishing and hunting like outdoor community on YouTube itself. A lot of stuff's actually going on behind the scenes that I've been kind of quiet about and kind of waiting to figure out exactly what myself and Flair and, 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 and Rackley and all these guys are actually, what we're actually thinking about doing. Cause it's, we've been hit pretty significantly hard. I don't think you guys even realize this. Like there hasn't been a time since six years ago where I've uploaded a video and it only gets 50,000 views. That has not been a thing. You don't have nearly 2 million subs upload any kind of video and only get 50,000 views. It's kind of a real thing. I mean, I, I'm not going to go into detail on it right now, but, it's not that it's not a big deal. So just to touch on a little bit more, some banking platforms have already announced a ban on certain legal purchases such as firearms. The growth of such restrictions will only accelerate the support from which usually left-wing politicians could create a system in which individuals who do not hold a certain political view could be blocked from a polite society and, and left unable to make a living. So that's what I was discussing. So you have people right now and you actually have websites that won't allow you to buy gun manufacturing products. Uh, using their service, PayPal and, and such. YouTube, for instance, as this platform we're on right now, will not allow you to even promote or show a gun or talk about a gun manufacturer or put their website linked. So you cannot actively promote a gun, even though that guns are, are meant for a lot of things, self-defense, hunting and whatnot. Yes, they're using crimes, but so is a baseball bat. So is a screwdriver. So is this Apple pen. I could take this Apple pencil right now and shove it through my camera guy's eyeball and I just committed a crime. Can I not? I think when it comes to humans... Committing crimes, it's more how you're raised and how the person is. A person's going to commit a crime. If they're wanting to commit a crime itself, they're going to find the means to do it. Like if there's no guns available, guess what? They're going to grab, they're going to grab this right here. They're going to grab this Deion Sanders signed, um, I don't know what, the, what this is. It's a Hall of Fame thing. I mean, this is, this is the Vince Lombardi trophy, but it's something for the Hall of Fame. But they're going to grab that and they're going to beat the absolute living piss out of you. Am I right? Am I right? It's going to happen. We saw it all last year with Antivim and, and uh, BLM. They were using boards and bricks and whatever else they could to destroy people's property. There you go. It's going to make some people mad, but there's a cold hard truth about it. But you know what? Before we go too far, let's uh, talk a little bit about Masterworks. 
So if you guys did not know, over this, this last couple of days, actually it was just yesterday, the S&P fell 1.7%. It's worst day since May, and it shed 600 points. So a lot of people lost a lot of money yesterday. But you know what? There's other ways to invest, and this is one I'm about to share with you guys. So what do you get when the Fed prints $120 billion a month and Congress proposes another $4 trillion spending plan? An economic car crash waiting to happen, that's what. It doesn't take a genius to know that this country is heading in the wrong direction. In fact, 87% of Americans polled that they were worried about inflation. We've all seen that our groceries have been getting more expensive lately. So how will the elite investors protect their wealth from all this reckless spending? Newsflash, they already have. They park their car cash in a lucrative alternate investment. I guarantee you is in every hedge fund manager's portfolio. And that is fine art. Yes, that is right. Fine art. After all, it's outperformed S&P 500 returns by nearly twofold from 1995 to 2020. And for the first time ever, everyday investors can now allocate towards the $6 trillion asset class thanks to one revolutionary startup. More than 200,000 members have already signed up. And their wait list keeps getting longer and longer. Lucky for y'all, I have a special link that y'all can use to sign up. It's linked at the very top of the description if you're watching on YouTube. But previous offers have sold out in hours, so don't wait around. All you have to do is head over to masterworks.io slash speak the truth. Yes, that is right. Masterworks.io slash speak the truth. Do it to it. You need to give it a shot. I'm telling you guys right now, go to masterworks.io slash speak the truth. See important disclosures at the masterworks.io slash disclaimer. So thank you so much to Masterworks for sponsoring this podcast. I want to tell you guys right now, go check them out. They'll be linked to the very top of the description. If you guys are on YouTube, this is a different way to invest. And you're, I'm telling you guys right now, twofold, twofold from 95 to 2020. Why wouldn't you want to give it a shot? Diversify your portfolio. That's the best thing to do. And the other thing is you have to support the companies that support podcasts like this that allow you to speak the truth because a lot of the companies out there, they're not allowing us to do this. And they're allowing us to, to be able to do this by supporting this podcast and sponsoring it. So thank you so much to Masterworks. Oh, man, my people down in Australia, how are y'all doing? You guys having a little bit of unrest going on down there? Don't worry, we had that last year. We had it all for you guys. Actually, you guys are having a little bit yourself right now, but Mel- Melbourne has actually descended a little bit of chaos and police have actually arrested 62, and it has to do with the COVID lockdowns. I don't know if you guys know this, but Melbourne or Australia in general is very, very, very strict, like very strict. They're almost like communist China when it comes to COVID. Oddly enough, Australia as a whole is actually a a major ally to the United States. I love Australians. Y'all are amazing. Actually, you guys are the number two on the list of countries that listen to this podcast and watch YouTube videos of mine. So I know you guys, you guys, we're all good, but you guys have a lot of stuff going on there. If you guys know this, I'm sure you guys do. You guys watch the news down there, but police have fired pepper balls and stinger grenades at anti-COVID or they call them violent anti-COVID lockdown protesters in the streets of Melbourne of Australia's second largest city. There was a stay-at-home order. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's on day 233. 233. The stay-at-home order for 233 total days. That's a very long stay-at-home order. It's kind of nuts. Protesters who were dressed as construction workers clashed with police for the second consecutive day on Tuesday, assaulting officers, smashing police car windows, throwing bottles and stones, and damaging property. There was between 1,000 and 2,000 protesters. I don't even think that's enough. When you have an entire country that's been under lockdown for 233 days, they will not allow their civilians to come back into the country on flights. They have people that are literally traveling across the oceans on a boat to get back into the country because you're not allowed to fly in. Crazy. What country doesn't allow their own citizens back into the country? Y'all let's go ahead and show a clip of what's going on down in Melbourne. The crowd is certainly getting bigger. They're very passionate. 
I've just been struck in the back of a back back of a head by a can. I'm not sure whether you saw that, mate. Are you okay, Paul? Uh, that okay? really hurt, and I'm going to go back to you, Mike. And it's kind of crazy because because the police actually go on to say that these crowd control uh, equipment munitions were necessary because we can't allow this type of conduct to go on, which is kind of crazy because the police say that and the government says that, but then you have the civilians that are saying, well, you can't allow us, to, you can't be forcing us to stay inside for this 233rd day or whatever. You can't allow that to happen, right? I mean, you have literally both. So that's why they're clashing so much down there. And I'll show you that that kind of stuff wouldn't fly here in America as we do know. That's why they pretty much had to reopen everything. That's why Texas never really closed. That's why Florida never really closed. I know a lot of people, I got to go on here and say this because I know that there's somebody at YouTube watching this video and making sure that I'm not talking about COVID in a negative way and or saying that the, the vaccine is bad. I have the vaccine. Everybody knows this. I've got two shots of Moderna because I wanted to travel overseas. So there you go. Everybody's listening to this. I have it. So if you want to get it, that's on you. If you don't, it's also on you. I don't really care. I'm not going to force you to do anything you do not want to. All right. So I think we're going to jump back over here to the States. Yeah, we're going to jump over. So this is the one where I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. This is a pretty good piece, I think. This is probably the best piece of the entire thing. I saved it to last for you guys. Like I always, you know, just make you guys wait to the end. It's kind of like a title, like I said, a YouTube title. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you can find out three quarters of the way through what it's actually about. So, you guys didn't know, the U.S. apparently blew $21 trillion. $21 trillion doll hairs. You said it was right on the 20-year war. So, I really had to deep dive into this one. I mean, when I deep dove, I dove deep. I took off my pants, took off the old underwear, and I skinny dipped. I dove deep. Head first. So apparently since the 9-11 attacks, uh, the U.S. has spent $21 trillion on wars and and militarism. I, I actually had to look up what this word meant because I personally didn't know what it means. And I was in the military. So I was like, oh, shit, I need to look it up because I think some people may not know what it means either. Militarism. Y'all ready for this? The belief or desire of a government or people that a country should maintain a strong military capability to aggressively to defend and promote national interest. I was like, okay, that just sounds like a strong military. So I don't know what, what, what's the, what's the issue here, lady? What's the issue? So I went on the read some more and I really found out what her issue was. She's just soft and scared of everything in life. She says for half of that, we could decarbonize the electric grid, deeply reduce child poverty and more. And I was really intrigued. Now I was so intrigued on this because I don't know. I mean, yeah, sure. She could be right. Or for the last 20 years, we couldn't have fought any sort of terrorism whatsoever in our country could be dealing with terrorist threats every single day at, at home. I mean, we, that, that could be the other factor, which she didn't probably put in here because she didn't think about that because she's so worried about decarbonizing the electric grid. And she goes on to say that with most U.S. troops out of Afghanistan, it's time to reinvest the 20 years of missed opportunities. So I really, I mean, I, I, I dove some deep. I don't know if you guys know this, but I found a lot of stuff that's that started with this and it's you got don't you're gonna want to you're gonna want to listen to this one the u.s militarized spending there's that word again militarized spending since 9-11 has caused 900,000 deaths from the global war on terror and led to 5 million deportations from this country why in the hell did she have to throw in 5 million deportations that has nothing what is that what does that even have to do well it has to do with the agenda she's trying to push as i always say i find these things so ironic because there's always an agenda within the piece. Okay, so we know what side she's on from this country. It has put 1.8 billion worth of military equipment on city streets and singled out black and Latina X, Latin, no, not Latina, Latinx people to be put behind bars for primarily nonviolent crimes and fueled by FBI programs that targeted people based on nothing more than their race, ethnicity, religion, and that's just for starters. 
Okay, so this is when I really just wanted to deep dive into this son of a gun. So she's saying that there was $1.8 billion worth of military equipment on the military streets. I have never seen in my entire life a tank, Humvee, or anything like that rolling down the military street. I or, Excuse me, the streets of, of this country. Yes, I've seen them on their way to training exercises. I've seen National Guard just moving, maneuvering their stuff around. I've seen them on trains. Yes, we put our tanks on trains to transport them to the coast to be put on ships. That is how they're transported. They're not driven through the streets. What is she talking about? 1.8 million, or excuse me, 1.8 billion worth of military equipment on the streets. Is she talking about, I know what she's talking about. She's talking about those AR-15s, you know, those assault rifles, those really scary things that you have to manually press the trigger to shoot around. That's what they are, correct? They're not machine guns. A machine gun would be a military equipment. Now, you don't see those floating around the streets either, do you? I don't see an M240 Bravo or a Ma Deuce just floating around. No, we don't. That's not, that's not, that's, that's not right. It's not ever going to happen. So what she's talking about here is something she clearly doesn't have, like she had no understanding at all. She doesn't, she can't even, she can't even fathom what a military equipment is because she's never in the military. So her, her opinion of a military equipment is a pistol or a, a right, which is so, so crazy. People always talk about these, these semi-automatic raffles, say like, like an M4. We'll just use an M4 for instance. It, 20, 30 round clip or magazine, excuse me, clip is not the right word. 20, 30 round magazine. So you have that. Yes, that could do some damage. But if you have the right person behind a rifle that is bolt action, I bet you they're probably going to do much more damage than somebody could that doesn't know what they're doing with a semi-automatic. I'm just trying to trying to put it in a different perspective and shed some light on. It's not essentially, it's not the weapon that's being used. It's the person behind the weapon. I don't know. Anyway, so I'm going to move on from that. And I'm just going to let you guys know I could go on for an entire podcast episode on that one piece right there. These kind of people, what's wrong with America in general. But she goes on to state it would cost just $1.7 trillion to forgive student debt. Okay, sure, it might, might do that. That's not my debt. I don't ask students to pay my debt and my, my mortgage. Or my car bails, or 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 my or my land loans. I, I don't do. That's my debt. So why should a taxpayer have to pay for student debt? That's what I don't understand. That's the most asinine stuff. It's never. It's never ever going to get approved. Student debt relief, like that's it's not a thing. And I and I'm never going to be for it. My daughter, she's going to have student loan debt if she wants to go to school. You know why? Because that's her responsibility to learn how to pay her bills as an adult. As an adult, you pay your bills, correct? So why would you want to give $1.7 trillion uh, to pay for student loan? That's not, that's, not the, that's not our responsibility. It's not the government's responsibility that you're the individual who, who signed the dotted line to take on the debt, to pay the debt. I don't pay Charles's car debt. I don't do That's not my job. So why, is it, why would it be any American's job to pay for student loan debt? She goes on to say that $2.3 trillion we could use to create 5 million jobs that pay 15 an hour with benefits. So that she posted a link on here, but I clicked on the link and it didn't go to anything that explained what these jobs were. It didn't go on to explain after the, the 10 years are up, do you have to put another $2.3 trillion into it? What are these jobs for? How did you even get to 15 an hour? Like there's nothing. She just, that's all it says right there. 2.3 trillion, create 5 million jobs for 10 years. So what happens after the, are they just fake jobs? Is it kind of like those Chinese cities that literally have no people in them or... Or what, what is it? Then she says $449 billion, which is just 2% of our militarized spending, we could keep putting money in the pockets of families with children by expanding the child tax credit for another 10 years. So big problem with the child tax credit. It's not a, something that I'm super against, but if you expand it and make it 
to where they make they get more money, then a lot more people will take advantage of it and have kids because they know that they're going to literally get paid for staying home having kids. That's a that's a real that's a real thing. Just so you are aware, and it would cost just twenty five billion, just one tenth of one percent of twenty one trillion to vaccinate low income countries against COVID, saving lives and stopping the spread of the new coronavirus. So, if that was the case, why aren't we spending? $25 billion a year for flu vaccines to give to everybody? Or why aren't we spending $25 billion in America to teach people about obesity? Because obesity rates are much higher in young adults now than they've ever been. And that, that kills people. That causes a huge strain on our um, healthcare system at the same time. I don't think people really realize it. You have these obese kids or these overweight kids. They grow up, they grow up just continually to be overweight and obese, which is unfortunate because their, their parents don't have the correct eating habits. And then that leaves a strain on our system at the same time. They get diabetes, you take up, then they're still like, think about that. Now you're taking up health, health spots because you didn't eat correctly as a child. And, and as you got older, there you go. I can go many different ways on this, but I wanted to do a little bit of research. She said that it cost us, what was it? 21 trillion. Yes. 21 trillion. So I was like, did it really cost 21 trillion dollars? That seems like a really high far-fetched number. So I did a little bit of research for you guys. I got you. Don't worry. I got you. Here's the actual cost. This goes on the states. Here you guys, you guys ready for this? The global war on terror has killed nearly 1 million people and cost more than 8 trillion. So this guy says it cost 8 trillion, which is significantly less. It's still a lot of money, but 8 trillion instead of 21 trillion. The cost of war project. That's exactly what it is. Latest estimates hold that 897,000 to 929,000 people have been killed during the wars. Of those killed, 387,000 were categorized as civilians, 207,000 were members of national military and police forces, and further 300,000 uh, as opposition fighters killed by US-led co- coalition troops and their allies. That's also that's a good number. 301,000 terrible people have been put to death for being terrible people. The report also found that around 15,000 U.S. military service members and contractors have been killed in the two wars, along with a similar number of allied Western troops deployed in conflicts and several hundred journalists and humanitarian aid workers. Actually, a matter of fact, I think a humanitarian aid worker was just killed the other day by the Biden administration by a drone strike. So let's, let's add that tally up to an additional, what was it, seven children, aid worker, and family. Yeah, just, let's add a little bit more on there. But this goes on to state some some stuff that I was like, okay, those numbers seem not so far-fetched. 301,000, I know when I was there, we were fortunate enough to take out, I think it was the first two months, I think it was like 83, 83 Taliban or so in the first couple of months. I don't really recall the exact, maybe it was 82, doesn't matter. It goes on to state that some of these people were classified as opposition fighters may actually have been civilian as well, since there are no political incentives to classify the dead as militants rather than civilians. The caveat that dovetails with the U.S. government's own confessed practice of labeling any military-age male killed in operations as combatives unless proved otherwise. So this is where I can I can have a little bit of knowledge on, other than this person right here that I know for a fact has never been over there and has never fought in the war and or been shot at or shot anybody. This right here, if you're what we call a ma'am, military-age male, and you are caught in an area, I promise you, if there's a firefight going on and you're a ma'am and you were killed by like an ally of the U.S. and the United States, it doesn't matter if it's any, anybody that's that's on our side. You probably probably had a reason to get shot and or bombed. That's the, the cold hard truth about it. There were times, yes, the civilians were there was fracturicide and, and then, then did happen. But for the most part that we didn't just go around just shooting military. That did not happen. That never happened. That would be that would, that's against the law. Like you get in a lot of trouble for just randomly shooting 
a, a, a gentleman because he's in the age of 22-ish to 23, 24 range. You know how many, you know how many, how many people we would have shot at that point? The entire country wouldn't be there if that was the case. Goes on to say that such practices have continued across multiple administrations. A recent investigation from the military-focused news site connecting vets included a leaked video and account from a 2019 drone campaign in Helmand province in Afghanistan. The story included a testimony from a former drone operator who said that they had been given the green light to kill anybody seen holding a walkie-talkie or wearing a tactical vest in the province. Okay, this is true. It's called ROE. Rules of engagement. This is falls within his ROE. We had the same kind of ROE when I was over there. If you're a military aged male holding a walkie talkie, you have no reason to, they don't hold walkie, like no one has walkie talkies over there. That is a family that is having a conversation with another family member. And that is what they're trying to, in, in trying to say within this, this piece right here that they're, they're having, it says, which had poor security and lack of reliable cell service. So they carried around walkie talkies. That is not the case. My mom, if I was in Afghanistan, my mom's not going to give me a walkie-talkie and go run around the hills. The people in the hills with walkie-talkies are talking with each other. They can change the frequency. And, I mean, we picked up on that frequency. We talk, we can hear their chatter all the time on the walkie-talkies. A lot of times they would try to mislead us, and it never really worked out. For some U.S. officials, licensed to authorize drone strikes frustrated by their inability to achieve strategic victory or even favorable negotiation terms with the Taliban, the metric for success was racking up a body count. I have actual on-the-ground experience. This person has absolutely no on-the-ground experience, and they're just getting their information from somebody that is not essentially a reliable source in whatsoever. Like, they're literally just getting it by doing their own research. I'm telling you from first-hand experience, yes, there are certain times in Afghanistan and certain places that you're in and certain groups that you're affiliated with, depending on who you're attached to, your ROE is going to be different. A lot of times when I was in Iraq, we had to be engaged first to be able to engage the enemy at that point. So there you go. Engage could be IED, shot at, RKG, all those types of things. That's everything that I experienced in Iraq pretty much was, was those at that time. I got hit with an RKG. Thank God. They, there's two pins on an RKG, one in the front, one in the back, one for the parachute and one to engage the grenade itself. You have to pull both of them for them to go off. Thank God they didn't pull the second one in the back that engaged the actual parachute when you throw it. The RKG usually will tumble. It's an anti-tank grenade. It, it has a cylinder-shaped head, and it will has a shape charge that will suck everybody out of the Humvee when it hits, and it'll kill everybody instantly inside. But well, it's made to go through tanks. But when you throw it, the parachute ex- comes out the back and causes the RKG to go straight. So it'll hit nose first, and then that shape charge will go through the Humvee. Thank God that the, the idiot didn't pull the second one on mine, so it didn't kill me and everybody else inside. But knowing that kind of thing, that, that's what I'm talking about, rules engagement. It changes every single, everywhere you go in the world when it comes to who you're fighting and, and what the circumstances are. That was a later portion of Iraq, so it wasn't nearly hot as heavy. In Afghanistan, when I was there, I was there during the bloodiest year of the entire war. Like, there, we had so many casualties that year. So ROE was going to change dictating on the area that you're in. The area that they're in, Helmand Province, is terrible, was terrible. So if you have a 20-ish, whatever, military-age male, if you have them holding a walkie-talkie, on a known checkpoint area or a known Taliban Taliban area, that is not going to be a sheep farmer on the phone with his mom. It is a Taliban person giving directions or giving giving some type of intel back to somebody on a different hilltop, the relaying information about where our moveabouts are. That's what that's what's going on. And yes, you're allowed to engage that person because now they're an, an, enemy, an enemy combatant because you know what's going on. Because we can actually hear, for the most part, ICOM chatter. So... 
if you're going to make an article, at least try to be not so biased and you need to understand what's actually going on. So that's why I like to bring up this kind of stuff. So the economic cost tallied by the cost of war reported that included 2.3 trillion was spent by the U.S. government on military operations in Afghanistan and Pakistan, 2.1 trillion on Iraq and Syria, 355 billion on Somalia and other regions of Africa. An additional 1.1 trillion has been sent on domestic uh, security measures in the United States since 2001, bringing direct expenditures from the war on terror and home and abroad to 5.8 trillion. So with that being said, this person who is definitely not in the middle, it's more left, is standing it's actually only 5.8 trillion. Anyway, in the end, I don't know. I feel like I just needed to shed light on that. There was another piece I want to talk about here to close this thing out, but I hope you guys are enjoying this one and actually getting something from it because it is it is kind of interesting. The last one we're going we're gonna to end on is uh, I found an article. I'm actually kind of for and kind of against. There's two reasons why I'm kind of for and against it. It's, it's talking about forcing people to enlist into the military, which is kind of interesting in itself. Because I've actually stated publicly that I think that a lot of men and women, uh, I, th- I think it would do America good if they spent three years in the military. I always, I always, I always state that I drop my camera guy off at the recruiter's office. I'm going to drop him there. I'm going to take his phone away, dump him off, and he's stuck there. I always tell him that because I think he'll excel in the military and I always joke with him about it. So they, they, uh, they go on to state that end of, end of the war in Afghanistan should also be end of America's all-volunteer force. So we're talking about America's all-volunteer force, which we know is what we currently have. We don't have a, there's no draft going on. That hasn't gone on since I believe the seventies. That's pretty much the deal. Or I think the all volunteer force started in 70, 73. There you go. It's pretty much started. The all volunteer force started in 73. And while touted a cornerstone of American military prowess, the, the truth is that the failures of the past 20 years, the global war on terror stem at least from part the uh, America's we're just going to call it the all volunteer forces, AFEs, uh, harmful effects. So it's this this article is stating that the all volunteer force is harmful for the, the, the all around military. And it can go both ways. To me, I don't think it is a bad thing because the people that are joining want to be there. They want to be there and they're not cowards. No one wants to fight next to a coward or a pansy. Like most of the people that are having to approve of this video even going live are not the ones that I want to have on my left or my right on the battlefield. I don't want that. Because they're scared of hunting or they're scared of fishing, what is going to happen when bullets fly? So that's that's the way I look at it. Like when it comes to an all volunteer force, I really don't mind it. The unintended consequence is that American people have no real stake in America's pro protracted wars. Which is, well, I was like, okay, well, I kind of agree where he's where he's going. Let's keep going. Anyway, you can't you can't be obliged to be in the military service for its population. So the American public has vested interest in the success and failure of future conflicts. So it's it's okay. I, I kept going. I want to know more. And now he started stating some percentages, which we all love. 79% of army recruits in 2019 have or had at least one family member who also served in the military, 30% of whom was or who is a parent. So that's a pretty big deal. 80% of recruits. I don't know that's because, yeah, I guess their fathers could have been in a war or some sort. Yeah. No, not really. These past Iraq and Afghanistan, it'd be really tough to have a, a kid, maybe maybe a beginning of 2000s. But anyway, if this, is, this is the crazy thing. So six states account for almost 40% of military recruits. And so I had to find that out. So which six states do you guys think it is? I knew a handful because every single time uh, I spoke to somebody in the military, we always ask where they're from. And for the most part, it it's in the same states. Uh, I could name like three or four off the top of my head every single time. Florida, Texas, Alabama, Georgia. And then I would randomly see like New York and California. But when it comes to population size, California, I mean, we'd see people all the time because populate. I mean, they have the largest population in the United States. So I, I go on to, and this is what this says. This is an actual report, uh, government report, by the way. This is not like some civilian. I, I went through, this is a 110 page report. Yes, 
I found it on page 15. If you ever read a government report, you'd you'd think twice about your life. So in the total, the six states that produced 43% of enlisted came from nearly the same proportion of the national youth population, about 41%. Okay, so there you go. So basically the same amount of people that are in the United States percentage-wise joined. However, the relationship between the youth population and the number of accessions varies across the states. California, the nation's most populous state, yielded the most accessions, nearly 18,000, which is not that crazy, right? But relative to the youth population, they ranked 34th. 34th. So out of all the states in America, they're ranked 34th, but yet they have the highest youth population. And that's, that's talking about the kind of people that, that are enlisting. Similarly, New York yielded the fifth largest number of, of accessions, over 6,000, but ranked 47th of 50. So you have two of the most highest populated states are ranked 34th and 47th. You see, you see where I'm going with this? Now, here's when it gets crazy. Florida generated 81% more accessions in New York with only 88% of the youth population. Florida's performance ranked second among the states. Second. The other states shown in the figure, of course, were, were Georgia, North Carolina, and Texas. So... On here, they have North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. And Texas is actually apparently number one. It's not super shocking, to be honest with you guys, with how the kids are raised here and so on and so forth and how we treat America. And we, we, just, we just love freedom in general. So when you look at this kind of thing, you look at per capita of youth, they're number one when it comes to the amount of people that actually enlist. But it, it's pretty much the same thing. If you guys were to join and you guys ask people where they're from, you would get the same kind of results I did. It's either going to be California, Texas, Florida, tons Tons of Texas and Florida, Alabama and Georgia, tons of them. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, this, this article goes on to say that the former chairman, Joint Chiefs of Chef, Martin Dempsey, in 2015, called the all-volunteer force the right force for this nation. However, the quick collapse of Kabul and the chaotic route that followed after 20 years of American military involvement there should at least give us a pause of that notion. Now, I want to argue the fact that this is actually incorrect. You cannot, you cannot blame the fall of Kabul and Afghanistan to the volunteer force. The volunteer force, go back to the previous article, the volunteer force killed 305,000 turds, did they not? With 15,000 of us dying. So that's pretty good numbers. So we did a pretty good job and the numbers would have been increasingly better if we didn't have cowards come into office. And the only reason why Kabul fell is due to cowards. That's the only reason why. It wasn't because of the volunteer force. It had nothing to do with the volunteer force. Like, not at all. The guy in charge is the one that's making the decisions, the military decisions. You, if you guys know this, but the president, civilian, that's why we don't have, say, there's, there will never be a, a general is underneath the president. The president is a civilian, so the civilian makes the military do what it wants to do. So you always have the civilians in charge of the military. That's the way it's set up like that. Okay, this, this is interesting. Me and this person have been going back and forth pretty much with thought process as the entire article. Now, he goes on to end it. We're going to end it here on this one. He goes on to state this. A current force with a lottery-based system. This is kind of interesting. This system would expose a greater portion of American population to the military, make the military more representative of society, and cast service as a necessary piece of civ civic duty. So I do think this is kind of an interesting idea. As you guys do know, most of you guys know, Israel forces you to do, I think it's either two, three, or four-year term. I don't recall, so please... Don't chew me up about it because I, I think it might actually be threes. They force their people to do it. If you don't have like a disease or anything like that, like here in America, if we had, imagine if we had a lottery based system. Every time you get an ID card, kind of like a draft. When you put your ID card in here in Texas, you automatically are putting yourself into for the draft. But imagine if we did that here in America, like you had a lottery based, well, it's your turn. You have to serve three years. I mean, I'm not really against it, to be honest with you. 
But the problem with that is, what if you draw somebody in, say, L.A. County that absolutely hates America, and now you're stuck with that person degrading you the entire time because you joined voluntarily into the armed forces? That's the only problem I could see with it, which could be a major problem. But in the end, if it came down to a draft, I kind of have an understanding and a feeling that I don't know if it's ever going to happen again, but I, I, I'm, I, I think the volunteer force needs to stay. I just think they need to take politics out of the military. Once you take politics out of the military, which is kind of hard to do because the guy in charge was politically put into power. So it's really hard to kind of do and he's in charge of the military. But if you take politics out of the military, the spending would be, be much better. I promise you that because it wouldn't be spending on random stuff that you don't need to be doing. We literally just do what the military is supposed to do, protect and serve and destroy the enemy. That's pretty much all it's supposed to do. So hope you guys enjoy this video over here. I, uh, like I said, I don't know how long we'll be doing these on this YouTube channel. Might have to start another one. I don't really exactly know, but I do love you guys. Make sure to check out the sponsor. It'll be linked to the very top description. If you guys are listening on Spotify, thank you so much. And Apple Podcasts. I do love you guys. Go ahead and, uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and see you guys tomorrow. See you guys.